Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry, everybody say tarry. Not T-E-R-R-Y, but T-A-R-R-Y. Tarry, hang out. Everybody say hang out. Say stay put in Jerusalem until you are endued with power. I should, for Blake's sake, tell everybody when to stop repeating so that, so that we're all on cue there. If you were here on Thursday night, you would understand that joke. For verse number 50, it says, And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. Now it came to pass, while he blessed them, that he parted from, from them, that he was parted from them, and carried into the heavens. And they worshipped him, and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. And I love how it ends. Let's all say it together. Amen, amen. It's settled, it's done, it's a done deal. Quickly, I'm going to turn to the book of Acts chapter number 1. And the book of Acts chapter number 1, I'm going to read some of this as I try and mark my place here so I can go back to Luke. Luke, uh, Luke also is writing in the book of Acts and he says that uh, Jesus had had lived and died and went into the grave and arose and it says on the on verse number three to whom he presented himself alive after his suffering with many infallible proofs non failing never failing proofs being seen by them for forty days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them verse four he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem here we are again same story he says stay in Jerusalem he says but wait every Everybody say, wait, for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptizes with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, at this time will you restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons that the Father has in his own power, but you need to be worried about the power that you're going to have when the Holy Ghost has come upon you 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 shall be witnesses into me uh, uh, unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth and now when they he had spoken these things they watched and he was taken up and the cloud received him out of their sight and when they looked steadfastly toward the heavens there were two men standing there in white apparel and they said men of Galilee why do you stand amazed and gazing into the heavens the same Jesus who has been taken up from you into the heavens will so come in like manner as you saw him go and then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount which is called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. And then Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas, the son of James, all these continued with one accord in prayer and supplication which, uh, with the women and the mother of Jesus, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And then it says that Peter took matters into his own hands from that day forward uh, for for a moment and and he started quoting some scriptures. I'm going to not read for the sake of time. Um, But then they casted lots and the lot fell on Matthias and he became numbered with the twelve. Let's, I, I want to speak to you for just a few moments. And I really do mean that today because we're going to be back here tonight having Holy Ghost revival. Um, so I'm going to speak to you for a few moments today on the subject of while I wait. 
Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your blood that never loses its power. God, thank you for the throne room that we can enter into and we have truly entered into today. God, we are standing even right now. We are sitting in the presence of Jehovah. We are right now, God, in a holy territory, on holy ground. God, if we were to take off our shoes like Moses did, God, it would be appropriate because your spirit is in this place, God, and we honor you. Lord, I don't want to do anything to offend your spirit. So, Lord, let me say what only you would have me say. And no more, no less, God. Let your people have ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen and amen. Now, uh, I want to piggyback a little bit off of what brother Larry Miller preached to us last week. He was talking about it's my time. It's my time. It's my time to receive what God has for me. And and I got to thinking about if it's my time, what that means that I've been waiting for a while. And we just so happen to be, now we went through, I love preaching and chronology. I love preaching as it were uh, throughout the year in the same place that Jesus was when we have that example. And so when we have Palm Sunday we celebrate Palm Sunday as the week before the, at the triumphal entry and then we have Easter and then remember I preached a message about the days following the resurrection and, and now we are getting to the place which is my favorite time of year. Everybody always asks, what's your favorite holiday? And I need to remember because my favorite holiday is Pentecost Sunday. I just want to put that out there for everybody. It's not Easter or Christmas or anything. It's Pentecost Sunday. That was the day when the Holy Ghost came and the church became empowered. The reason we have church today is not, listen, I'm not trying to take away or dumb down what Jesus did on Calvary. But the truth is, without the power of the Holy Ghost getting upon those apostles, what Jesus did even though he was the eternal sacrifice, even though his blood would have never lost its power, without the power of the Holy Ghost in the disciples' life, we would not have churches in America today. The enemy would have found a way to squash the atonement that Jesus had made for us. But it was by the power of the Holy Ghost. It was all part of God's plan. And it was the day of Pentecost that God said, I'm going to put my power in my people and they're going to have power to preach my gospel. And that's what he was saying right here. He was saying, go to Jerusalem and wait there until you get what I need to give you. Jesus said in one portion of the scripture, I go away, but if I don't go away, the comforter can't come. The Holy Ghost can't come if I stay here. So I would love to stay here with you, but I'm going to send you the power, the power that dwells in me, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. I want to give you that kind of power. There was a promise that was heading this way, but they just had to wait. They just had to wait. Anybody ever been given a promise that you've been waiting on? I just, I, I, I know that there's a promise that was promised to me, but I've just been in the waiting. Anybody ever spent a lot of time in the waiting room? I like Brother Daniel. He put up a graphic for me. Uh, this, this, this graphic he picked today is sitting in a, an airport terminal. Anybody ever been waiting on a flight? Anybody ever just hang out and just, you know, you're just, Sister Wanda knows what I'm talking about. She just never knows when, when or if she's going to get home sometimes. She gets, a, you know, she gets stalled out in this airport or that airport, and she's sitting there and she's waiting. Why? Because there's something that's going to take her in this airport from the place where she's at to the place where she's supposed to go. Come on, y'all. It's the place where I'm supposed to be, but right now I'm just waiting. I'm just anticipating getting home. I know... 
I don't know who anticipates it more. I would dare say Brother Dave anticipates your return more than you return. You anticipate your return back home. Not to say that you love him any less, but he's just not the same when you're not around. And so he's waiting on her, but I'm telling you that you're sitting there and anybody ever been in the doctor's office and just been sitting and you know you're waiting and you're just waiting to find out what it is that you, you know, whatever the situation is, I don't want to really travel down that path, but you're sitting there because you need answers and you're waiting, you're waiting, I'm waiting. Some of us are waiting on a prophecy to be fulfilled. Someone spoke it over you and and anybody ever had a word from God and then seemed like in just a little bit of a time somebody prophesied and confirmed that word over your life and before you know it you had a third witness that came along and they said uh, by, by the mouth of two or three witnesses the thing was confirmed over you but it hasn't happened yet. Brother Dave, I'm reminded of the prophecy over this house that was spoken and confirmed and confirmed again. And it hasn't happened yet. But we're in the waiting. The prophecy to be fulfilled. The promise to come to pass. The loved one that you have to come to salvation. The promotion to the better place in the job. The promotion to a better job in general. You're waiting. I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm waiting on revival that God promised me. I am waiting because this message that holds true to me today holds true because there's a sign written on the inside of the, of the doorway that says awakening. And God spoke something to me as I was praying praying over my family and a service one day he said I'm going to use your family to be a part of a last day's awakening and that word began to resound in my spirit that God was going to pour out his spirit in the last days on his sons and his daughters and that, that, that young men would dream dreams and old men would see vision and he said he'll pour out his spirit upon all flesh and sons and daughters would prophesy and I want to be a part of a last day's awakening and that's a promise that God has given to me and that's a promise that I'm sitting here waiting upon. I'm just waiting, saying, God, when will it come to pass? I don't know when, but I do know that it's yes and amen. Your promises are true. So what the, beg- the question that begs to be asked, since we all understand, would you say that some, by lifting of hands, is anybody waiting on something from the Lord today? So the question that begs to be asked then is, what are we supposed to do in the waiting? Our common ground is that we are all waiting. So what is it that God is trying to teach us in the waiting? I believe that Luke and Acts point out several things that we're supposed to do and I'm going to get through them quickly today. The first thing I want you to repeat after me because this is going to get it down into your spirit but I want you to say this. I will worship while I wait. Come on, say that again. I will worship while I wait. You see, Luke, he gives us this account. He says, and in and, and verse number 49, Behold, I send the witness of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father. But tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And they led him out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands and they blessed him. And now it came to pass when they blessed him, he was carried up. Verse number 52, it says, And they worshipped him and then returned back to Jerusalem. 
the very first thing after the promise had been given, the very first thing that they did was they began to worship God. And some of us, we have lost touch of with our worship. We have forgotten that God, the promise keeper, has promised us things. And His promises are yes and amen. But our job is not to fulfill His promises. Our job is to worship the promise maker. Our job is to worship the promise keeper. The very first thing that the disciples did, the first example that we get, is that after He gave the promise, he, they gave Him worship. Honoring Him for His holiness. Now listen, they were not praising Him yet. They were worshiping Him first. We're going to get to the praise part. But the first thing they were doing was worshiping Him. Why? Because He was the only one capable of giving a promise. I don't know about you, but when somebody else promises me something, Brother Dave, I love you. I love using you in my sermons. You're just way out there and it feels like I can talk to you. But I'm telling you that I love you. But if you tell me something, I can pretty much take it to the bank. But if you fail, I will say, well, Brother Dave didn't have intentions of failing. He meant to come through, but circumstances stopped him from being able to do the thing that he said in like manner if I promise you something brother Dave, I want to fulfill that promise I have every intention of fulfilling that promise but circumstances can stop me from being able to fulfill the promise that I have made to you and we could go around the room and everybody that would hold true to everybody but I've come to tell you today that God is the only one capable of making a promise however impossible it may be and he is the only one who is able to fulfill the the promise that he has made to you. He's the only one. There's nobody else. And for that reason, he is the only one worthy of worship. So the first thing they did was worshiped him because he's a holy God, because he just made a promise and he's the only one who is worthy to make a promise because he's the only one able to keep a promise. They worshiped him because he is God and he is God alone. And many of us find ourselves in the periods of waiting and we quit worshiping. We get stale and stagnant in the way. Maybe the wait wasn't... Like the, for the disciples, there's a debate whether or not... And, and the, maybe the debate's just in my head, but and somehow scholars say that the disciples tarried in Jerusalem for 10 days. Now, I'm no mathematician or anything, but for me, if he was dead, if he was crucified on Passover... And the meaning of the word Pentecost is 50 days past Passover. Then I, I, I just want to put this out there. It's, I'm getting up on a soapbox for a second. He was crucified on Passover. He was put in the ground. And then he rose in three days. Okay, so you take 50 minus 3. Now you've got 47. And the Bible just told us that he walked among men for 40 days. So if he walked among men for 40 days, you take 40 away from 47. You're left with what? That's my math. I don't understand. But, but a lot of scholars believe that he walked among us for 10 days. If anybody has this answer, please bring it to me. Um, but but I, I, whether it was 7 or 10 days, they only had to wait just a little while. In the grand scheme of things, there are many of us today who have been waiting on a promise from God for 10, 20, 30 years. We've been waiting to see God bring it to pass. I'm not talking about, uh, about 6 or 7 or 10 days. I'm not talking about 6 or 7 or 10 weeks or 6 or 7 or 10 months we have been waiting for years upon years and sometimes we get in our waiting and we lose our worship we get so fed up in the waiting that we lose our worship but I've come to tell you that the same God who promised it to you is the only God who can bring it to pass 
And he is still worthy of your worship. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but you have let your worship grow cold. You have let your worship grow stagnant because you've been waiting. You've been waiting and you're tired of the waiting and the tiredness rubs off in your worship. But your worship predicates what you're waiting for. The second thing I want to talk about is is this. I want you to say this after me. Say, I will position myself. While I wait. Let's say it again. I will position myself while I wait. Okay, so I will worship while I wait. And I will position myself while I wait. Now, it says that they went out as far as Bethany. Now, in verse number uh, verse number 51. Now, it came to pass. He blessed them. He was parted up into the heavens. Verse 52. They worshipped him. And then it says they returned to Jerusalem. Now, they were at Bethany when this took place. They were at the Mount Olivet. They were at Bethany and they watched the promise. They heard the promise happen. They watched Jesus go into the sky and then they worshipped him. The very first thing that they did was worship. That's the first thing we have to do. The second thing they did was position themselves for the promise. They heard him tell them where to go and they went to Jerusalem. And some of us have not gotten the promise because we haven't positioned or postured ourselves for the promise. You you know, God's telling you that you're going to get a better job and a better promotion, but you refuse to put on your promotion clothes. You refuse to put on the garments that you're supposed to have to go to the next place. You, you refuse to put on the garment of praise to get the place where you're supposed to go. You position yourself for the promise. And I'm telling you, the very first thing that they did was worship. The second thing they did was position themselves. They said, he said, go to Jerusalem. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to go to the place where he told me to go and get ready. I'm telling you this, that where they were was not where, where Christ ascended was not where the promise was going to be fulfilled. They had to get in position for the promise. Let me get to my notes here. He was saying this. Now, some of you need to hear this in the house of the Lord this morning. This is what God was saying. Go where the spirit's going to move. Go where the Spirit's going to move. That's the positioning. He said, don't stay here. This is where the promise was, but this isn't where the Spirit's about to move. This isn't where my Holy Ghost is going to happen. Some of us have been, we've got the promise, but we've been hanging out in the basement and it's cold and dry and there's nothing going on down there. When God is saying that the Holy Spirit's about to fall in the upper room, you're not positioned right. You're not in the right place. You've got to position yourself and posture yourself and get into a place where the Spirit of God is moving. I've come to tell you today, right now on this in this church, I, I can look around, I can't number everybody that's here, but we may have 80 or so here today. And there may be a church with 800 or 8,000 here today. But I've come to tell you that in the last days, when there's an awakening promise coming, I don't want to be where the popularity is. I don't want to be where the population may be. I want to be where the Spirit of God is going to move. If that's a creek side somewhere, then I want to be on the creek side somewhere. If that's in a movie theater church, then that's in a movie theater church. If it's in a storefront church, then it's in a storefront church. It doesn't have to be where the masses are it just has to be where his spirit's going to move that's all I want to be I want to position myself so I will position myself while I wait there's a very specific position for a woman to deliver her promise 
There's a position the doctor gets her in to be able to deliver. I don't want to be too graphic today. But there, there's a position that you get in for birthing. And I don't recommend, even though I'm not, I have no idea about this. I could go off on a tangent right there. But I don't know about this, but I do know this. I wouldn't recommend having a baby in the wrong position. I feel like I have some authority. Like I feel like that's a pretty good advice. You don't want, you know, you don't want to have a baby in the wrong position. You need to position yourself for birthing that thing. And some of us got a promise down inside of us that God needs to birth out of us, but we won't position ourselves for that thing. You know, and for I'm not going to get in the in the birthing position for you, but I will tell you how to birth something out of your spirit. This is the position, right here. This, this is the position that you get into when you're, going to, when you're going to get something out of your spirit that God has put in there. There's a specific position for receiving something. Uh, can I have that water right there? Do you see that? Here, watch it again. There's a position for receiving something. Did you see it? I feel like I need to show you again. Let me show you what not to do. Hey, can I have that water? Can I have it? Can I get that water, please? Teacher, do you care if I have that water? Will you give me it? This is how we act as the church. Can you imagine God on the other side of this? And he's saying, you, you, you asked me for a promise, but you won't position yourself to receive it. Can I have the water? It's time for the church to quit just saying it and reach out and take it. We sang the song, Holy Ground said, if you have a need, I know my God has the answer. But you've got to reach out and claim it. The woman with the issue of blood. I did need this water. The woman with the issue of blood. She didn't wait for Jesus to go by and try and make sure that she had positioned herself. Can you imagine? She said, I've got the issue of blood, but I'm just going to get out here and I'm just going to lay down in the street and hope he comes by so that he can touch me. She didn't do that. She didn't, she, didn't just, she didn't just go, uh, I need to touch the Father, so if I could just get within, if I could just get in a tree. If I could just get in, there's, a, there, there's another one in the Scripture who got into the tree. You know, Zacchaeus, yeah, he, he's up there. In the, but she didn't, she didn't need a Zacchaeus kind of uh, a touch. She needed to touch the Father. She needed to touch the Master. And she said, if I could just touch the hem of His garment, that would be good enough. But she didn't just sit there. And I, I, I mean, I'm, you just have to be in my head and you don't want to be there sometimes. But I mean, really, I would hurt myself. But there's part of me that wants to just do an illustration where there's a Jesus walking by and she runs and she dives, but she refuses to stick out her hands and she face plants on the ground. Can you see it? And this is what happens in my brain. 
She just runs and does a head torpedo toward Jesus, but refuses to stick out her hands. And she falls about four foot short, or however long an arm is. Two foot short. She had long arms. You've got to posture yourself to receive what God is trying to give you. And many of us have been refusing to put our hands up for a long time. There's a scripture in Psalms, I should have looked it up. It says, lift your hands in the sanctuary. Lift your hands. And, and sometimes we lift our hands to praise and give thanksgiving. Sometimes we lift our hands to just receive. Sometimes we lift our hands to elbow our wife in the face. That's what Matt just did. You guys got to see things from my perspective. He just, he, he takes advantage whenever he can. And, but you got to posture yourself to receive. There's a, spe- a specific posture for favor. We talked about favor. Begat favor. Begat favor. You can get in favor and your yesterday favor can work for you tomorrow. But there's something to that. You have to use your tongue to begin to speak out the favor of the Lord. And so posturing for God's favor in your life is to begin to speak out, speaking faith and speaking blessings and not cursings. I'm going to move on for the sake of time. I want you to repeat after me. Say, I will enjoy. You're going to love this one. While I wait. (laughs) I will enjoy. Enjoy while I wait. Say it again. (laughs) Wait a minute. I'm supposed to enjoy this? I'm supposed to have a good time waiting? He said, now it came to pass they blessed him and his part, and they worshipped him, and then they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. So, So Christ was telling us that in the waiting, we're supposed to have joy. Matter of fact, the scripture says it in a different place. We're supposed to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. We're supposed to have His joy, His, his love, His grace, His mercy. We're supposed to have, This is where childlike faith moves in. See, because many of us adults, we've lived and we thank God that patience is having her full work in us. And we're just, you know... We're just, y'all know me, I can't say that scripture without pointing out the fact that patience is given a feminine title when patience has her completed work in us. You can take that home and chew on it for a while. just want to say, thank God for women. Amen. But this is where childlike faith has to come in. Because when you were a child, can anybody remember when you were a child? The funny thing is, I have a hard time remembering when I was a child. Um, it's been a while, Deidre says, but really it hasn't. Um, but you remember when you were a child, and your mom or your dad, they told you something. They said, I don't know, vacation. They told you where you were going to vacation. Anybody ever got excited about going on a trip? Now, I'm not. you got to get out of your right now mind because... When you're in your right now mind, when I think of a trip, I think of all the taxing things that come along with doing a trip. So, you know, it's like a blessing and a curse, you know what I mean? So get out of that. But when you were a kid, when you didn't have any of the responsibilities, do you remember what it was like when your parents said, we're going to go to Disney World? 
Or do you know what it's like when your parents said, we're going to go over to these mountains or we're going to go to the ocean or we're going to go on this trip down to see Uncle whoever in the sticks and you loved going down there. Whatever it was, you remember just getting excited, not when you went on the trip, but as soon as you heard that you were going to go on the trip. Does anybody remember that joy and anticipation that you got when you got a promise from your parents, from your father or your mother? Do you remember? I remember this. When I would, one time I got told that I was going to get a Nintendo. I'm not talking about a Nintendo 64. I'm not talking about a Nintendo Cube. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the, whatever the latest. I'm not talking about an Xbox 360 or an Xbox. I'm talking about a Nintendo. You got to push the game in, push it down. Sometimes when it don't work right, you blow in it and you push it over and down. You know what I mean? That that Nintendo, that 16-bit, that great arcade game, Super Mario Brothers, original one. I, I mean, but I remember I got told I was going to get a Nintendo. It was either for birthday or I think it was Christmas, but I was going to get a Nintendo for Christmas. They probably told me in September, and for about four months, I was as excited as if I already had the Nintendo in my possession because I was so secure in the promise that was given to me that I might as well have already had the gift right now. And we got to get back to the childlike faith because we're supposed to be enjoying the way because we know the promise is going to be great and we can live in the little taste of the promise on this side of the promise because he said to be joyful in your waiting but see we get in this place we get in this place where we our mentality is i want it now we're like that we're like that spoiled child that everybody cannot stand i want it now Oh, you're going to get me something for Christmas? You might as well go out and put it on credit card. I want it now. Oh, you're going to... uh, I wish you would hurry up. You told me we were going to go on a vacation, but I wish you would hurry up. I wish we could already do this. I don't like to wait. That's the society we live in. Is the day ever going to come? We should 86 that idea. 86 that mentality and say, God, I am going to enjoy while I wait because the promise is going to be great. When was the last time that you thought about God's promise in your life and just accepted it as done? See, in the waiting, we lose the faith. In the waiting, when God promises something like a son or a daughter that's gone away, gone astray, and you're waiting for them to come in, it's hard to sit in your, pew, your seat and to just be all joyful when they're not serving the Lord. But that's His promise. But God is saying, if you believe that my promises are yes and amen, then when I say them, they're settled. As soon as I say it, it's done in the spiritual. So it just has to manifest in the natural. So if I say it, then it's done. But so many of us, we get caught up in the here and now, and we don't see it. We don't see the fruition. And I've come to tell you that faith is not a sight thing. We live by faith, not by sight. So faith is not a sight thing. Faith is a faith thing. And if you can have true faith, then you can have true joy. I will enjoy while I wait. Everybody say this. I will praise while I wait. I will praise while I wait. It says this, it says they worshipped him and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they were continually in the temple and praising God. 
I want to point this out. I love this. Did I say God? It felt like it's a church of God thing. Listen, um, it, it happens. I didn't, it, it, it grew on me, okay? Um, <laughs> praising God. I got to recover from that. Hold on a second. Lost you. This is what I want to point out. I love this. This is going to hurt if you're watching by Facebook. I am talking to you right now. Not talking to anybody in here. Talking to you. They worshipped him. They returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually where? Where were they? Everybody say it in unison. They were continually in the... They were in the temple. And they were... Praising God, how? Corporately. They were praising God together in the temple. While they were all waiting on this promise, they didn't have what... There are so many people at home right now having church in their living room or having church in the conveniency of their own home. But God gave us a a, a stipulation here. He said, well, I gave you a promise. You go back and I'm going to give you instruction, but you need to praise and you need to do it corporately. There's power in corporate prayer. And so he said, go back to Terry in Jerusalem. When they went back there, they praised together in the temple. Uh, The scripture says, forsake not the gathering together of the brethren, even more as the coming of the Son of Man draws nigh. It says even more as the time is coming, uh, that God is coming back. And so many people are having church in their home right now because they've been offended in one way or another. But I've come to tell you that while we wait on God's promise, we're supposed to be praising corporately. I'm going to move on for the sake of time. I will pray and petition while I wait. So I will pray and petition while I wait. You see, Acts, we're going back over to Acts now. Acts chapter 1, verse number 14, it says this. It says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Everybody say supplication. They all continued in prayer and supplication. So they, so they were worshiping. I want to just go down through the list real quick. They were worshiping. I've got to get back to my list. They were worshiping while they waited. They positioned themselves while they waited. They enjoyed the waiting while they waited. They praised corporately while they waited. And then they prayed and petitioned. They prayed with all prayer and supplication. That word supplication literally translates to petitioning God. Petitioning God. So the Philippians 4, 6 says this, Be careful for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. With prayer and supplication, what does that mean? It means that when we pray to God, that we should pray and petition Him for the thing, even though He has promised it, it is okay to pray for it. I need to tell somebody that. Uh, somebody told you along the way that when He when He told you He was going to do it, that you can just stop praying for it and wait on it to come to pass. I'm telling you today that it's okay to position God until He comes to pass. It's okay to be that child that's on Daddy's leg, pulling down and 
and saying, Dad, where's the Nintendo at? Where, Dad, where is it time yet? Dad, where is it? I know you promised it, and I'm excited about having it, but is it time yet? I, I, I'm going to go ahead and pray for it again. Do you care if I can have it again? It, it, he says it's okay to pray and petition. The difference between prayer and supplication. I need you all to see this. Some of you, this is... You've read that word 25 times, doesn't, don't know the difference. The difference between prayer and supplication is this. They're both prayer. They're both prayer, but the word supplication entails the act of bending down or bending over. So prayers are letting your requests be made known to God. Supplication is bending your knee or laying prostrate before the Father. In, in letting your petition be made known to God. So the question is, when was the last time that you went into your prayer closet in the waiting? When was the last time that you bent your knee to God in the waiting? S.M. Lockridge, the one who has the sermon that is, is the that's my king, I wonder, do you know him? Do you all know that? You know that little sermon that little sermon jam series, the, he, he's the king of kings, he's the lord of lords. I wish I could describe him to you, he's indescribable. I wonder, do you know him, you know, S.M. Lockridge? That came from a, a sermon of his entitled Amen. That was the, the name of the sermon. But in that same sermon, he said this, and I love this, it has stuck with me uh, ever since I heard it. Every believer has a check made out on the bank of heaven, but many of us fail to cash it at the window of prayer. Every believer has a check written out on the bank of heaven, but many of us fail to cash it at the window of prayer. Prayer is the place where you cash the check. Prayer is the place where you petition for the promise. Prayer. In Luke, Luke 18, chapter 1, it says, Men ought always to pray. Men ought always to pray. That's the one thing. He didn't say men ought always work, men ought always play. He said men ought always pray. You should always be praying. While I wait, I'll pray. While I wait, I'll pray. Those are the things that we should be doing while we're waiting on God. Now let me show you the thing we shouldn't be doing while we're waiting on God. It goes down and in verse number 15 it starts talking about what you, what you shouldn't do while you're waiting. It says that Peter went and, and decided that since Judas made his mistake, he begins to quote some of the scripture, and he begins to say, let's now appoint for us a twelfth disciple. Let's, let's get another one because the one has proven himself unworthy. So now let's, let's go ahead and pick out another disciple. I'm, I'm about to close right now. Uh, it, not really, that was a lie. Lord, forgive me for that. I'm not about to close. The next point will be the one I close on just for clarification. But, um, but, but the, the thing is that Peter, he gives us an example of what not to do. Now, Peter, once he got full of the Holy Ghost, he got his act together. But right now, he's not full of the Holy Ghost. He's supposed to be waiting. But in the waiting, he gets, he's a busybody. He's got to do something. He can't go out and go fishing. He, he was told to tarry. He's going to try and live up to the promise. But then he finds himself in this room, and he's like, you know what? There's 11 of us. 11 feels wrong. I feel like there should be 12. God appointed 12. I know we need to get 12, so let's do something about it. I see a void. I've got to fix it. God is saying to you in this place today, don't do what is my job to do. 
don't do what's my job to do. And listen, a lot of you are going to hear my voice and you're going to say, don't do anything while you're in waiting. That's not what I said and that's not what the scripture says. The scripture does not teach us to not do anything in the waiting. It says don't do what is God's job to do in the waiting. Now let me explain it to you this way and I'm I'm, I'm just going a little fast for the sake of time. But let me explain it to you like this. Peter could have waited till he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. It still wouldn't have been his job to pick out the apostle. It was never going to be their job to pick out the 12th disciple. So what they were doing was they were taking God's job and they were trying to do it themselves. Now, whether they were empowered by the Holy Ghost or not, it was not their job to do that. So what I'm telling you today is sometimes when we get caught up in the waiting, we start doing things that are none of our business at all. Because we're like, I know I've got to do this, I've got to sit and I've got to tarry and I've got to wait and I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going to worship, I'm going to praise, I'm going to lift my hands and all these different things and I'm going to petition, I'm going to pray to God. But then you look over here and you get squirrel, you get ADS, attention deficit squirrel. And then you, you look over here and, 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 and you're like, oh, I got to get involved in that, I got to put my hands in that, I got to put my hands over in this business, I got to put my hands over in that business and God is saying that's my business leave it alone even when I empower you even when your promise comes to pass that's not going to be your business anyway so stay out of it look at your neighbor and tell him stay out of it Proverbs sixteen twenty seven says this an ungodly man digs up evil an ungodly man digs up evil. You know, a newer translation, not one that I particularly read, but one of the translations in the scripture actually has Proverbs sixteen twenty seven says, idle hands are the devil's workshop. Now we know that's a, a kind of an old saying or a cliche, but that actually is put into one translation of the scripture because he is saying that evil men dig up, they use their hands to dig up evil. Why? Because they're idle, because you're waiting on God to give you a promise, but then you start meddling things that you should never meddle in in the first place, in the waiting, in the waiting. And this is it. I'm going to close with this. Everybody say this. I will Wait together while I wait. That sounds weird, huh? I will wait together while I wait. Isaiah 40, chapter uh, chapter 40, verse number 31 says this. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will rise up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. Amen? I love it. It's one one of my favorite scriptures. As a matter of fact, when I am praying with people for strength, I quote that scripture almost every time. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll rise up with wings like eagles. Now I want you to look at this. There's strength in the waiting. Everybody take a close look at this scripture. Because I've read it and read it wrong a lot of times. I've quoted it wrong. Let me tell you how we normally look at the scripture. They that wait upon the Lord, He will renew their strength. Does it say that? But that's how we interpret it. That if we somehow will wait on Lord sometime after the waiting, then he will see fit to renew our strength. But that's not what the scripture says at all. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed with folks or preached or or quoted the scripture and, and had it in my mind that somehow if you wait on God long enough, 
that he will renew your strength. But that's not what it says. It says they who wait on God will renew their strength. There's something that's in the waiting that will draw upon you and will pull strength out of you. It will be a renewing. The waiting should not cause your strength to falter or fail. The waiting should cause your strength to be built. And you should be stronger than when you went into the promise. You should be stronger today than when God promised you the thing 10 or 20 years ago. If he said your son or daughter was going to be yours again uh, 10 years ago, you should be stronger in your faith today than when he promised it to you. And when it comes to pass, you should be so strong because there's strength in the waiting. It's not waiting on the Lord to strengthen you. It's that there is strength in the waiting. Now, how is it that there's strength in the waiting? And for to understand that, we have to understand the word wait. In verse number 31 there, the word wait is a, is a Hebrew word. It's, it's, it's kava. And that word literally translated, the word wait in the scripture there, literally translated, this is to bind together like a cord. To bind together, to weave together like a cord. So I will wait together while I wait. God is literally telling us there is strength in numbers. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 12 says this, that, that one can put a thousand to flight. Oh, what is it? One, I'm sorry, I was misquoting. Though, though one may be overpowered, two can withstand him. And then this part, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. That same kava is used there. It is the threefold. It's the binding together of a cord because one string, if I have one string and I, and I pull on it, if I've got some fishing string and it's 10 pound test and I pull on it, then somewhere just above 10 pounds of pull, I'm going to break that string. But if I take a, another cord and I, tie, and I roll them together, then all of a sudden my 10 pound test becomes even more than 20 pound test. It doesn't just double. It's like one putting a thousand to flight and two putting 10,000 to flight. I'm telling you that it, it, when you weave together, when you're woven together, if you take three three or four strings and weave them together, all of a sudden they can hold up some weight and they can become strengthened. And this literally, what, what it, 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 a string is easily, I'm going to read this, a string breaks easily, but when it's woven together with other strings, it becomes much stronger. God is literally saying two things in this scripture where it pertains to waiting. That the waiting should be done with others. You should never isolate yourself in the waiting. We see this examples with the even with the apostles. He said, "Go and tarry in Jerusalem." He didn't say, "Go into individual homes and hang out and wait for the promise of the Holy Ghost." He said, "Go and tarry together in Jerusalem. Gather together when they were all in one mind and one accord, gathered together in an upper room. There was something about unity. There was something about gathering together in that place. There was something about the strength that came in the numbers, and so it should be done with others." And number two, this. That strength comes in the waiting. Nowhere does it say that God will renew their strength. It says that they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Strength comes by faith that is built upon one another's prayers and testimonies. Faith comes by hearing. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Strength is in the numbers of weaving together weaving together to receive. 
and this is this is it. Maybe God is the one doing the waiting. I'm gonna let that settle in for just a second. Maybe God is the one doing the one wait doing the waiting. We've been thinking we're waiting on him. And he's waiting on us to get strong enough. Because they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Maybe he hasn't given you your promise because you're not strong enough to handle it yet. Maybe you haven't woven together with like-minded believers enough to bear one another's burdens, to be your brother's keeper. Maybe you haven't bathed yourself in prayer and praise and supplication, worship. Maybe he's the one that's been waiting this whole time. 